You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, we're off and running on this Wednesday, October 28th. Just when you thought, ah, there's no show today. All right, I, I don't have to listen to this dumb-dumb. No, we're here. We're ready to roll. And it is a day where the Dodgers, the L.A. Dodgers, are champions of baseball for the first time in 32 years a day, where it really kind of hits home. That 1988 was 32 years ago. What? That, I guess I really am that old. And I guess a day where maybe at some point we will hear from the Dodgers, we'll hear from World Series MVP Kevin Cash. Wait a second. Kevin Cash was not named the MVP? Well, we'll see about that. Uh, The NFL trade deadline is quickly approaching people. And a lot of smoke surrounding the jets that's generally what surrounds wreckage right when something crashes to the ground uh, that's generally there's a lot of smoke there's a lot of fire well maybe they might trade Cronin williams it depends on who you're listening to are they shopping him are they just taking phone calls are we doing this dance again is there really any difference so we'll get into that good morning welcome in it is the gordon damer show it is 98.7 fm espn new york lots to do On this Wednesday edition, of course, it's Wednesday, so we'll have headlines. We'll check in with Florida Man and uh, who's been busy. Oh, my God, has he been busy. Plus, day eight of the Regal Tumble. A new TV show contender makes its way to the ring in in the battle for supremacy. Battle for television supremacy. So we'll update who was eliminated yesterday. And can anything, really, can any show threaten... Right now, the big three that are battling it out in the ring. But, of course, let's begin with the World Series. Dodgers did it last night. They finally won the World Series. They beat the Rays 3-1 to take it home in uh, six games. So, look, Dodgers have been knocking on the door for a very, very long time. They've won the NL West, it seems like, for 100 years in a row. They had the disappointment of 2017, the disappointment of 2018 last year not even getting back to the World Series, not winning it in 32 years. So congratulations to them. They were the best team over the course of the shortened season, and they were the best team in the playoffs. We're down 3-1 to the Braves. How much must the Braves be kicking themselves right now? Not allowing that uh, 3-1 lead to slip away. And the the move, the, the focus for everyone on this Wednesday morning is the managerial decision made by Kevin Cash last night. Now, in case you weren't watching the game, Rays take a 1-0 lead first inning. Who else? Randy Arozarena. That's how it stayed for a while because Blake Snell, the 2018 Cy Young, Rays ace, was not just holding the Dodgers in check. He was lights out. He had allowed only a single in the third inning through five. He had struck out nine. He was at 73 pitches when in the sixth inning, he gets the first batter to pop. I don't know what he was at going into the sixth inning in terms of pitches, but he got the first batter to pop out to second, a little harmless, little fly ball. And then he gave up a, a single to Barnes, which you would not think, all right, he gave up a single, big deal. Second hit of the night, 73 pitches. This guy is dealing. This guy is our ace. But that single would turn out to be one of the biggest, probably the biggest hits in the game. Why? Because of that single that made Kevin Cash pop out of the dugout. Like when you wake up out of bed and you you immediately know 
oh my God, my alarm has not gone off. And you just pop that sweaty panic where your heart, it feels like, is going to burst out of your chest. That was Kevin Cash popping out of the, uh, out of the dugout last night because he was going to the bullpen right then and there. And a baffling decision for us sitting at home and a frustrating decision for Blake Snell, who was uh, seen on the mound cursing the decision of his manager to come out and get him. Now, I get the feeling uh, Blake Snell curses at a lot of stuff, but he definitely was cursing the decision by Kevin Cash last night. So Cash decides to go to the bullpen, brings in Nick Anderson, who promptly gives up a double to Mookie Betts. He then uncorks a wild pitch to score a run. And then the Dodgers get a uh, infield grounder to first that allows Betts to score from third. I mean, before we get into the round, Mookie Betts is by far, to me, the best base runner in, in baseball. I mean, he's not just a base stealer. In terms of base stealing, he's also fantastic. And, and how you know that is the guy never gets caught. I mean, he steals bases every, he steals about 20, 25 bases a year. He gets caught like two or three times. But it's not just base stealing, it's base running. Secondary leads, knowing when to go, he's fantastic. But at that point, 2-1 Dodgers. And at that point, everyone is, cush, uh, is, is crushing, cursing, cursing and crushing Kevin Cash. Crushing the decision. And then, of course, you know what it turns into. It's not really about Kevin Cash. It allows people who hate analytics to go after the analytics. Throw the computer away. Oh, you stupid nerds. Of course, completely ignoring the fact that the reason the Rays got to where they are is because they let the numbers guide their decisions. They are data-based they look for any small advantage. How else does a team like the Rays, with their payroll being what it is, how do they get to the World Series? How do they take down teams like the Astros and the Yankees and all these teams? Well, they allow the numbers to guide their decision. They allow to decide in terms of defense and shifting and positioning and all those type of things. Uh, they do it based on lineup advantages. They do it in terms of pitching advantages. And why do they do that? It's successful. It's successful for the Rays. It's successful for the Dodgers. The Dodgers basically had a bullpen game last night. Basically every successful team. You have teams that might try to to fight it. I don't even know if there are really any teams. It's just there are other teams that are more involved in, in, in analytics than others. So a lot of those arguments and a lot of the comments that you will see criticizing the decision by Kevin Cash last night is simply because of analytics and people don't like them. They want someone to manage by the gut. They want, they want, they miss the old days. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty clear, but this is what the Rays do. So on one hand, you have a team that does this all year and, and it's gotten them here, right? They, they keep doing it and it keeps being successful. So to tell them to not do it now, or, you know, as people on their, uh, on Twitter, oh, smacking my head, oh, they so dopey. This is their thing. Their thing is to give, on the mound, is to give pitching, give teams different looks out of their bullpen, which is their advantage in this series, right? They don't have too many advantages in this series, 
but their superior bullpen was one of them. The stable, right, as Kevin Cash has called them. When they get the lead, they unleash the stable of guys out of that pen. Now, I would actually argue, and you might be saying, well, Gordon, you were in favor of that. No, actually, I wasn't. Because I would actually argue, you know, one of the problems with following the numbers is you got to follow the right numbers. And I would make the argument that they did not actually make the analytical decision. I think they had made up on either A, or both things could be true, they made their decision based on faulty numbers or not following the right numbers, and they had a preconceived notion of how the game was going to go and what moves they were going to make regardless of the situation. So to me, that's the bigger indictment of the move. If you had decided in your mind without even looking at how the game takes place, well, then that's a mistake. Now, the, the thing that people will cite for why the Rays took out Blake Snell when they did was they don't like him to face the order a third time. That They don't allow him. The numbers cite that when he faces an order a third time, his numbers all jump up. Now, to... To cite that fact without citing what the numbers are, to me, is, is, is a little faulty. So to give you the actual numbers, first time through the order, Blake Snell holds teams to a 140 batting average. Third time through, they hit 304 against them. First time through, their on base is 253. Second time through, 304. So again, a big jump. But the real one, slugging. First time three through 209, third time through 609. So you're talking about a difference of OPS between first time and third time of 462 and 913. You don't need to be Bill James to know that's, that's huge. But here's the thing. Analytics, they're percentages, right? And the percentages are never 100%. But over the course of the long, large sample size of the season – they generally play out in your favor, right? The percentages, if you're following the right percentages, they play out. But in the moment of a big playoff game, they can make you look ridiculous. So I think that you have to, and you've seen this now because it's happened to Dave Roberts plenty of times. It happens to Aaron Boone from time. I mean, could you imagine? Oh my God, could we just put aside for a second? Could you imagine if Aaron Boone would have been in the World Series and had Garrett Cole on the mound and third time through the order in a one nothing game where Cole had struck out nine guys and given up two singles? He took him out in, in, in favor of uh, what, Adam Adovino. Could you imagine the white-hot passion of hatred for Aaron Bo- Oh, my God. Aaron Boone was probably laughing his you-know-what off last night watching that. But you have to, I think, in the big spot, in the moment of these games, playoff games, where everything hinges on this thing or that, you have to manage these things by doing, you have to think to yourself, what does my opponent want me to do? And then do the opposite of that, or certainly don't do that. The Dodgers were ecstatic that Snell came out of that game. They had no chance against him. And while the numbers do tell you that third time through the order, his numbers do jump up. Offensively, the opponent's numbers all jump up. You could actually say, and I've actually gone back and looked, it's hard to find the numbers, but the numbers that I found, Snell's second time through the order are kind of worse. The second time through the order, teams are hitting 307 against them. Their on base is 350. Their slugging is 627. So 
you can say, well, we just guide it by the numbers. I don't think you did. And you certainly didn't factor in what the numbers were last night. You have to factor that in. That might be the most important thing. Because the next three hitters that Snell was about to face, Betts, Seager, and Justin Turner, who plot twist for him as this night went along. We'll get to that in a little bit. They were 0 for 6, and they had struck out six times. So that's a bad decision just based on taking Snell out. What makes it even more baffling is that he went to Anderson. Anderson was one guy during the regular season, but in the playoffs was clearly a different guy. I don't know if it was a fatigue. I don't know if it was teams are just seeing him, you know, basically every single day. He had given up a run in six straight playoff appearances going into last night. Now seven in a row. And in case you're wondering, that's a record. So on one hand, right, you want to get your bullpen involved because you're the Rays and that's your advantage. On the other hand, you that allowed you thinking that you knew the, the, what the numbers were going to be in the future, not just in the past, allowed you to take out a guy who was working on a nine-strikeout two-hitter to bring in Nick Anderson, who had given up runs in six straight games. Never mind the fact that Mookie Betts' slash lines, his, his, his numbers against lefties as opposed to righties, he's much worse against lefties. He slugged, I think, um, Verducci said he slugged 218 during the uh, regular season or, or, or against lefties throughout the season. So you're actually lucky that it was only a 2-1 game. It could have been far, far worse. So to say that this is what they've done all year, it to me, that's simply as bad as saying you manage by your gut. It's not trying to factor in all the available information. Did Snell have some drop in velocity last night? No. Did he lose control? No. So the decision is one that's going to be picked apart forever or at least for a while, and it's just a devastating way to lose. You know, if the Dodgers came out last night and just crushed you, right? Hit a home run here, hit a home run there. Eh, you say, you know, the Dodgers are better. They got every advantage. They're the better team. Big payroll, right? All these advantages. But the Rays did it to themselves. It's devastating. For the Rays' 13 fans, they got to be just gutted by it this morning. Just absolutely gutted. The Dodgers, World Series champions, but of course... I feel I don't know. Maybe it's it's the baseball manager. Maybe, maybe it's true in other sports. I just I just focus on it more in baseball. It feels like every time a season ends, it's like now it's yeah. The, give credit to the winner, but boy oh boy, the other side they're a bunch of dopes. And uh, the look that uh, I think is going to be a major focus today because of the decision made by Kevin Cash last night to uh, to pull Bl- Blake Snell. After five and a third innings where the guy was absolutely dealing. And, you know, for the analytic crowd, uh, they, they have the evidence on their side, right? Like baseball is more and more becoming an analytical sport. It has been for a while. I actually think the decision going as wrong as it did is actually kind of good for baseball. Or at least it could be good. Look, analytics and being driven by the data over the, the, the large sample size is is the right way to go. You want people to be making their decisions based on some sort of evidence, right? Not just saying, well, I feel like it's going to go this way, so let's just go that way. And it is successful generally in the whole. Yeah, there's always going to be their percentages, right? So if you follow the percentages, doesn't mean if you're playing blackjack and you're following the percentages, doesn't mean you win every hand, but overall, you're going to be in better shape than if you just go by your gut. I feel like there's going to be an ace, 
So you have to understand, though, on the other side of it, they don't always work in the small sample size, which is the playoffs. So analytical baseball, in terms of the product for fans, is actually bad. People don't like all the pitches. It's not, it's not aesthetically pleasing of a game to watch. And while this was a good World Series, I do feel like, you know, sitting there, watch, pitching change, pitching change, this thing that... You know, it's not as, as, as fun to watch. So, look, this is probably going to die down in a few days. But if anything forces teams to maybe not be so one-track-minded, maybe over the regular season, I get it, it works over the course, but in the playoffs, I think you have to manage these games. And not just in baseball, but in other sports too. What does my opponent not want me to do? And you heard, if you heard Mookie Betts after the game last night, they asked him, you know, what did you think about when Snell came out? He was almost laughing when he said, well, you know, I don't want to say anything, you know, basically too controversial. But if you read his body language and what he said, he was basically saying, thank God we couldn't hit that guy at all. I'd struck out twice against him already in the game. To see him leave the game was fantastic. I didn't care who they brought in out of the bullpen. I'd rather take my chances against that guy then against Blake Snell. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. And then the other part of it last night is that it turns out Justin Turner had to leave the game because it was found out during the game that he had tested positive for COVID-19. Just when you thought, like baseball, yeah, it took him a little while to get it down, but look, they uh, finally, uh, you know, the whole COVID situation, they, they got it done. They got it all worked out. Fantastic. And then in game six of the World Series, they're finding out, how does that happen? How does the test not be done before? I don't It does not make any sense to me. How you didn't know the results of all the, the test results before the game took place. So he, he's pulled from the game. And uh, I think the thing was said, he, he was told to isolate. So the Dodgers win the World Series, and where is he? He's out on the field holding the trophy, hugging guys. Now, he was wearing a mask for some of it, but I mean, it's just, you know, I don't want to take that the show in that direction because, it, you know, you, you got enough of it everywhere else. But, I mean, like, I mean, it's not like, it's not like we haven't heard about it by now, and I'm sure that he's probably going to be fine, And but there's a very good chance that based on the fact that they didn't know he had it and he's walking around the dugout and he's walking here and there, there's a very good chance that he spread it to a bunch of guys on the team. I didn't see any Purell on the uh, on the on the, the World Series trophy, the hunk of metal, as Rob Manfred once referred to it. Can the Rays now go back and say, you know what, Blake Snell also tested positive after five and a third innings? That's why we pulled him. It had nothing to do with the analytics. He was he's COVID nineteen positive. That would be a better tack than saying, you know what, third time through the order. The first two times he looked pretty good. I don't know. I don't know. All right, let's get some calls in. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Let's go to Sal in Brooklyn. Sal, what's going on, man? Aberdeen, not Brooklyn. Oh, I have I have Brooklyn on my screen here. Aberdeen and Brooklyn, that sound, they rhyme. Uh, they, they, yeah, they, exactly. Sorry, Sal, go ahead. That's okay. Um, yeah, I, I, these analytics kill me sometimes. I, like you said, during the regular season, I could see it, but this is game six of the World Series. This is your ace. He's pitching a two-hitter. No indication that he's rocky or he's losing it. You can't take this guy out. I mean, it's insane. He blew the World Series for him. It's unbelievable. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a bad decision. And, and look, Sal, you know, you can make the argument Rays only scored one run. You know, maybe one run doesn't hold up. But you know what? The Rays, for them, and Sal, thanks for the call, it, 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 their advantage is not offense. So if they only get one run, they had the one nothing lead at that point, right? Like, that's when they had the lead. So, um, you know, to, to, to do something and, and your ace on the mound, you know, it would be one thing if it was another guy that they have who's, you know, he doesn't have the reputation of uh, some, some, someone else, you know, does have the reputation of Blake Snell, who's a Cy Young. He's their guy, and he's pitching as lights out as he can pitch. So I do think that you have to kind of, you know, read the situation a little bit more. You know, just blindly, you know, the analytical crowd will say, you know, you can't just have someone managing by their gut, and I would agree with that. But to go on the flip side and have predetermined notions of how the numbers are going to play out when – None of the numbers, no number that they had going into that inning, however they looked at it or crafted that inning, tells you 100% you must take Blake Snell out of this game. 100% he's going to give up runs in this situation. His numbers jump up, but those numbers don't fat. You know, each day is each game that he pitches is a different game. So how he pitches last night is different than how he pitched in, in game five of the season, or, you know, maybe he wasn't as on in different performances last night. That's about as on as he can be, and you let the other team off the hook. And it didn't take a lot. It wasn't like the, you know, it wasn't like the, the, the Dodgers came against the bullpen and hit a home run here and a home run there. No, it just took, a, it took a, a, a double by Betts, right, a wild pitch, and a little grounded to first base because Betts is such a good base runner, scores easily on uh, the fielder's choice. So it's, uh, it's a tough way to go out for the Rays. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Mike in Allentown. Mike, what's going on? How you doing, Gordon? I listen to you every morning uh, driving to work. So God I, I enjoy you, First time I've ever called you. Thanks, man. Um, listen, uh, I, I hear a lot of people talking about he took him out, but the Rays only scored one run. You know, besides for Arozarena, who uh, who did anything? So granted, yeah, they took a guy out, but they lost three one. And you know, in today's game of baseball, scoring one run most times or not is not going to win a game. Like baseball comes like softball. So yeah, I, I understand and I agree. Like they shouldn't have took him out. They should have let him pitch, but they still only scored one run. So I have a hard time blaming it all on Kevin Cash. Uh, well, look, I have a hard time blaming it all on Kevin Cash because it wasn't like Kevin Cash is sitting there with his computer. You know, that's the the rate, you know, like Aaron Boone, like uh, like Dave Roberts, like all these teams. The manager is just the point guy to carry out the decisions of the entire front office. Right. It's a collaborative process. So I, I'm not blaming Kevin Cash. I guess I am kind of. But it's not just him that came up with this decision. The only thing I would say, Mike, is at that point, they had a one nothing lead. Right. Like if you if you go and, and, and Snell eventually loses it or at least shows you some signs of slippage where, you know, he's starting to lose command. Maybe he's not walking guys, but he's going more three ball count. You know, guys are having better swings against him. Uh, maybe a drop in velocity. something. I would say that's a bad decision. Not even taking the, the, the Snell part into it. It's a bad decision to go to Anderson when that's the point in the game where you go to your best reliever, and Anderson was not that anymore. I, I, I definitely agree with that. They, they should have brought somebody else in, but, you know, I've watched Snell pitch this year, mm-hmm. and the guy, does, the guy does hit the wall, like, immediately. He goes Absolutely. from looking like Sandy Koufax, and then goes right off the deep end. So, right. you know, maybe they're playing by field, but the guy's done. This has been his history a little bit, No. 
Uh, no, absolutely, Mike. And Mike, thanks for the call. That's absolutely true. His numbers, although I would say, you know, as I pointed out, his numbers actually the second time through the order kind of jump up just as much. So look, that's fair that his numbers, if this were an ordinary game where he had only given up two hits, but you saw, you know, fifth inning started to walk a guy or started to go more three ball counts or the velocity or the command or something was showing you that he had started to lose it. I would say, okay, fine. In these games, in these moments, football, basketball, any sport, what does my opponent want me to do? I'm going to do the opposite of that. And the Dodgers, who it was clear, right? It was clear in the moment. It seemed like they, they took a big sigh of relief once he was out of the game. And certainly after the game, they were thrilled that Blake Snell was out of that game. They, were fan- they, they, they thought that was the best move that the, the other team could make. And it turned out to be... It did turn out to be the best move that they could make for the Dodgers. I get what you're saying. They only scored one run. Uh, but again, one run in that game, that, that might be all you score. And you have the lead at that point. one nothing is not a big lead, but it's still a lead. And it was the only lead you had. Bill is in East Brunswick. Bill, what's going on, man? Hey, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to say that we got to remember that Tamp is there because of analytics. Absolutely. Uh, I said without, that in the open. Without Absolutely. analytics, there is no Tampa Bay race. So, you know, they went with what they knew. They got burned. But, you know, this is where I think, uh, you know, analytics and uh, a good manager on the bench, given the, uh, the ability to manage instead of listening to the front office, uh, puts them in a game seven. You know, I, I think a good manager, given the analytics, uh, given the information, and then allowing that manager to manage, a lot of these guys are nothing more than uh, – you know, they, the office is really calling the shots. These guys Absolutely. are not legitimate managers, and you know, I mean, this is what this is what happens when, uh, you know, I, I still say a, a guy like Buck Showalter uh, would probably fit in today's game, but probably wouldn't have taken Snell out. So, you know, you know, you, you know, to me, uh, you know, the fact that they're here, the fact that they're continually winning in, in the upper nineties with games, the analytics works, and I guess this is the one time they got burned, but. Uh, well, it works over, you know, it's like percentages. It's like playing blackjack, right? Like you, 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 the, the percentages over the long haul, over the long regular season, they generally do work. And you're right. I mean, as I said in the open, you know, the, to, to crush the raise for analytics is ignoring the fact that that's how they got there. And the fact that the Dodgers are doing the exact same thing. You know, the Dodgers had a bullpen game last night and, uh, and, and, and rode that to, to the win. So I, I, I agree with you largely. Uh, I just think that in these moments, you know, it would be one thing if Kevin Cash went to the mound and was talking to Snell and, you know, like was factoring in the the moment. It, it seemed like, watching at home, that as soon as he gave up that single, boom, that deci- the decision was made. He's coming out of that game. And I think that that's, that's basically doing on the other side of things what the, the analytical crowd will say, you know, a manager like uh, like Buck Showalter would do. Well, he's just playing by his gut, or he's just playing by what his eyes show him. You got to factor in all the dis- all the information. And at that point, Snell was dealing, and to just be thinking, okay, he's given up a single, his second single in the entire night. Got to take him out because that's what the numbers tell me. I don't think that that's factoring in the the most important factor, which is I, what's going on right now in this moment. I remember when uh, the Yankees were winning those World Series, and I remember Zimmer and Torrey sitting there on the bench, and I remember them looking through, look like a book, 
uh, of percentages of who hits who, who does this, who does that, which is analytics. And uh, I still think uh, I would love to see, and it's not going to happen anymore, but I'd love to see a Billy Martin-type manager with the ability to manage go up against a team that's analytically driven. And I still believe that the Yankees would beat any analytical team because uh, they were using that, except people said it was from their gut. But a lot of that stuff didn't come from their gut. A lot of players do, a lot of other players. I mean, even when George Brett, uh, was questioned on that pine tar incident. It wasn't Billy Martin that came up with that. It was Greg Nettles. Greg Nettles so, so, you know, yep. Martin just happened to know that Dimensions a home plate. I don't think Kevin Cash knows that Dimensions a home plate. So what I'm trying to say ah. is I still I still believe, well, he probably does, but I'm yeah. still saying that a good manager, um, uh, a good manager allowed to manage, I think wins more than loses with an analytically driven team. I think analytics gives you the ability to, produce a championship team at a very low cost, but I don't think uh, it produces a manager that in a situation where they have to manage, they're capable of doing it. There is no gut feeling. It goes right to the office. This is what we're going to do, and that's the end of it. So, Yeah, but, and look, and, and Bill, thanks for the call. I mean, I think that that's why a decision like last night blowing up the way it did, and I'm sure it's going to blow up over the course of the day-to-day, right, all the calls, all the shows, all the all the articles – uh, I think that that might actually, if if it can, I don't know that it ever will, if it can slightly bring it back the other way, right, where you're just not judging by the numbers. Because to me, if you're just judging by the numbers and not factoring in the situation, well, then you're just doing the exact same thing on the opposite side. The 0-2, and it's strike three called. Throws him with a fastball. Julio Urias gets the last seven in a row, and the Los Angeles Dodgers have won the World Series for the first time since 1988. Yeah, the uh, the the other, and that's of course Dan Shulman, the call, ESPN Radio, your moment of inspiration for this Wednesday morning, Gordon Damer Show, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York, and Urias, man, was he dealing last night? Now, analytically. The Rays, to have been able to come back, they did need to take the bat off their shoulder last night in the ninth inning. A couple of guys struck out looking. I mean, at least go down swinging, right? Like, what's... Now, I get it. Reyes was, I mean, just 97 gas, but uh, I don't know. I think you need to swing the bat there, but... Who am I to say? One eight hundred nine one nine ESPN is the one eight hundred nine one nine ESPN is the phone number one eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. It is the Gordon Damer show, as I've mentioned. It is Wednesday, as I've mentioned. But as of course you also know, it is now day number eight. Day eight of what? Day eight in the quest to find the greatest television show of all time. So we'll get back to the calls in just a second. But we do have to make sure we update the Regal Tumble. The quest to find the greatest television show of all time. Now, each day, we put four shows. Your nominated shows, shows nominated by the 98.7 Illuminati, into the hopper. They have been randomly selected, a random order. Only I know the order. So each day, you have to find out what show is now involved. And we've had the three returning ones, but now a new one enters the fray. So, just to quickly recap... The shows that we already know that are back. The Office, of course. Since day one, The Office has been there. They were one of the ones that got a very unlucky draw, but they have certainly 
been uh, kicking butt and taking names. Who else? Game of Thrones. Oh, if this contest had only taken place a couple of years ago. But Game of Thrones has been very strong contender so far. And then, of course, the third returning show is... I couldn't help but notice that you were looking in my direction. Oh, yes, I was. You just ordered the same exact lunch as me. My name is George. I'm unemployed and I live with my parents. Yes, Seinfeld as well, returning show. So that means that yesterday's entry of Sons of Anarchy, one that people told me, Gordon, you're you're getting this all wrong. Sons of Anarchy is a much better show. You shouldn't have uh, gotten out when you did. Sons of Anarchy... Gang uh, is thrown right over the t- like uh, what was it one man gang he right over the top rope so uh, the sons of anarchy Sam Crow if you will already gone from the Gordon Damer show Regal Tumble so that leads us to today day eight a new entry who is it I guess I can say who is it who 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 is it. Oh, it's billions, of course, billions. Billions of people love billions on Showtime. Very successful show. A lot of people like it. A lot of people love it. We'll find out today just how many. So there you go. Day 8, Regal Tumble. The four shows going up on Twitter. At Gordon Damer. Game of Thrones. The Office. Seinfeld. And billions and you can vote I'm doing it you tell me every single day I can't do it I do it I do it every single day you know what billions is not my show I I gave it I liked it I watched to see I got to it late you know like a lot of these shows you get to it late and I watched the first season I liked it but you know what and this is probably the greatest test I haven't gone back to it other things. I got too many other things, Jim Ross. I'm sorry. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you. It's just the way it is. And I like I enjoyed it, but I have not got Showtime shows for me whatever reason. I, I just never it just never clicks. There's something about it. I'm an HBO guy. It's just the way I am. So you can vote on Twitter at Gordon Damer. All right, let's get some more calls in. 1-800-919 ESPN 1-800-919-3776. All right, you know what? Uh, before we do that, I did want to touch on the Jets stuff because uh, trading deadline is coming up here November 3rd. Nothing else going on that day except uh, the trade deadline. And there's been a lot of reports, Daily News, Manish Mehta, saying that the Jets are shopping Quinn and Williams. Other beat reporters, our own Rich Samini, saying that they are not shopping him. It feels very reminiscent to the whole Jamal Adams situation. They're shopping him, but they're not shopping. They're taking calls. They're not taking calls. Here's the deal. And the K show, I thought, had a great back and forth yesterday between Don and Michael about what should the Jets do. And I I think it should be pretty clear. The Jets should be listening to anything and everything. It's almost saying uh, you have this amazing thing. I I don't know. You have, I'm going to give you a a cinnamon raisin bagel. King of all the bagels. The best bagel there is, cinnamon raisin. Would you trade your cinnamon raisin bagel? Well, what am I trading it for? I'm not going to tell you. This is not what let's make a deal where it's behind the big box. So to say whether or not the Jets should trade Quinn and Williams or not kind of depends on what I'm getting back. The Dolphins, my team, last year, when they first came out, they were thinking about trading Laramie Tunsil, their, their star left tackle. I'm like, oh, my God, not this again. Oh, you do. 
Then I found out they're getting two number ones and two number twos from the Texans. So then, of course, of course, if you're trading your cinnamon raisin bagel for uh, a plane, of course I'm not going to do that deal. But if I'm getting a Mercedes-Benz, yes. So the Jets should be open to everything. Joe Douglas should be listening to everything. That doesn't mean you have to make a deal. But think about, this is where you have to put yourself. How many guys that are on the Jets' current roster are going to be on the Jets' roster when they get back to the playoffs? At this rate, Quinn and Williams will be in an old age home. So, yes, they should be looking to maximize any value. Doesn't mean you have to trade them, but you have to listen. You have to be listening to everything, including Quinn and Williams. If you can get back a big haul, there's so many holes on the Jets. It's, they don't even have holes. It's not even like they have holes in the wall. There is no wall. It's just holes. It's just a, it's just a wide open thing. There, there's not holes. It's just there's nothing there to, to have holes in. So, yes, they have a lot of stuff to do, and they need as much ammunition as possible. So if it means, and they don't have a lot of things that people want. I mean, let's be honest. All right, let's get back to the phones. 1-800-919. We almost made it a whole show without mentioning the Jets. And we, we've done it so far without mentioning Trevor Lawrence. And we have to legally mention Trevor Lawrence four times. So that's already two. Let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN. Let's go to Jose in North Carolina. Jose, what's going on? Hey, man. Thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to give you a little quick uh, question. What do you think? Uh, this still bugs me as a Yankee fan, but what do you think is worse? Letting Debbie Garcia only pitch one inning or pulling Snell with 75 pitches? Uh, I think it's obviously Snell at 75 pitches because Davey Garcia, because even though he, he did not, he only pitched the one inning, he didn't, you know, he didn't fly through the inning. He, he threw, I think it was 27 or 28 pitches. Uh, there's nothing to say that Davey Garcia would have went out there and pitched better. Well, he probably would have pitched better than uh, Jay Happ did, uh, but it, it, that was not the World Series stage where you got, you know, it wasn't like Davey Garcia was pitching like uh, Blake Snell last night. So I would okay, say yeah, but, it's not even close. Yeah, but hear me out. Garrett Cole loaded the bases in that one game and then he got out of it. Right, but he's Garrett Cole. I mean, you That's know, the, 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 the reputation true, does yeah. have something, to, you know, past performance does have something to do with it. Yeah, that's true. Thanks for taking my call. All right, Jose, but... thanks for the call. one 800 espn is the phone number. Greg is East, in East Meadow. Greg, what's going on? Hey, Gordon. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, yeah, those, you know, those numbers are a tool, but sometimes you have, you know, what you really should be doing, and you think you stated it, you have to be, you know, you have to factor in what's happening at the moment. Of course. You know, guys outperform, you know, when you're watching the guy who's outperforming his numbers, and he was outperforming his numbers, um, you know, he had very few high leverage pitches. His pitch count was low. You know, all, all of those things. He wasn't struggling. They weren't having good at bats. I mean, you know, so, sometimes you could see a guy get through five innings, and it's a struggle getting through five innings. There are mm-hmm. hard hit balls. Mm-hmm. You know, there's high leverage situations he's working through, so he's stressing his off. I mean, he was basically sailing along the. The only the only thing that you know I, w- I was looking at is you know I'm in the car so it's kind of hard to pull it up but I did at a you know at a, uh, a stop um, his sixth his career sixth inning ERA is really really high compared to the I mean it's what you would call a blip inning his career ERA in the sixth inning is thirteen right so um, you know I looked at his one through three it's like two point eight his three through six is basically a run higher. But then you know what? If he would have gotten through that sixth inning, 
his seven through nine goes back down to like a 2.19. But so the sixth inning for some reason has been a hurdle in his career, and I could see. But you can't just look at that number. You have to see what's going on in the moment. And and in the moment, the guy was just breezing along. It's different if maybe he puts the second guy on with a hard hit ball. Maybe there you go to the bullpen, but you can't do it on a hit. Sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, again, uh, to me, you know, strictly following the numbers to that degree where, you know, you look in the binder and you look at the, the numbers, they, they, they were treating it last night, and Greg, thanks for the call, they were treating it last night like it was Buff's, uh, or, or Biff's uh, sport, Sports Almanac from the, the Back to the Future, like it was already predicted exactly how it would go. If he gives up a base hit, you get out of the dugout and you take him out of the game. Um well, to me, that's part of it, right? And to me, it's not an analytical decision because of of all the factors. Yes, his ERA, third time in the order, is higher, but that has to you have to factor in how he's performing on that night. Not all the performances are the same. So where he was last night was absolutely dealing. As I said, the Dodgers were more than happy. They were, they were, they were pausing the game, have no problem. You take your time. You take him out of the game. Go right ahead. They were more than happy to see Blake Snell leave that game. So to me, that's a bad decision. Never mind the fact that the guy you're going to in that spot, game on the line, one nothing lead, is Anderson, who either he's just exhausted from the grind of the postseason, the the Dodgers had kind of figured him out, whatever it was, you're going to a guy who had given up runs in basically every outing. He'd given up runs, and he's given up runs now in seven straight outings. So, no, to me, that did not make sense. I'm not going to crush analytics overall, and it feels like a lot of people – uh, do that. They, they, they just hate analytics. They hate that conversation. And they don't really have an understanding of what it is and why you use it. So the Rays, they use it and, and they've used it. I mean, how else do you think they get to the World Series? How do you think the Rays with their little tiny, they look for every advantage and it's not just advantages they think they see, it's actual advantages. And every team in baseball is doing it. So I, I can understand where they're coming from, but in the, it, I don't think that you can just use that as a blanket to protect yourself against every situation. It works in a large sample size. We've seen time. Dave Roberts. I mean, think of all the times that Dave Roberts has gotten burned by it. And now all of a sudden he's the uh, manager of the World Series champion Dodgers. Chester Sanchez tweets me that uh, cinnamon raisin bagel, only good with plain cream cheese. The best bagel is the everything bagel. Everything bagel is trying too hard. It's trying to be something for everybody. It's just too much. Put that on your tongue. It's, it's too much going on. It's too busy. I'm not saying cinnamon raisin is perfect in every situation, but its peak is the peak of all bagels. You, you really, I mean, you toast it, the smell. The taste, it's fantastic. All right, it's a conversation for a different day, and we're running out of time. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. The Regal Tumble is up on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. You know the deal by now. Today's show is billions, so you can vote on that. And it's going to need billions of votes to kind of get to to crack these uh, top three shows who have been uh, very, very strong so far. But uh, let's get a couple more calls in here before we get out of here at the top of the hour. Neil is in the Bronx. Neil, go. Good morning, Gordon. I couldn't agree with you more about crunching the numbers and doing what they did to get to the World Series, but we should have been seeing a Game 7. I'm going to tell you why, Gordon. It doesn't take a blind man to see that Snell was wheeling and dealing. It doesn't take a blind man to see that the Dodgers lineup couldn't figure out Snell. He was, like, in control all the way. And to take him out after giving a single, come on, you should have ride that arm 
to the seventh or eighth inning because he only had 73 pitches, and this game should have ended one zip. We should have been seeing a game seven tonight. Yeah, I mean, it is disappointing in Game 7. That's the sign. And thanks, Neil, for the call for, uh, you know, a great World Series. You know, it was a good World Series. It was an enjoyable World Series. But, um, look, it could have turned out that the Rays brought in – they were going to have to go to the bullpen. Snell was not going to go the entire way. So it's possible that the bullpen would have given it up at some point along the way. The problem is it feels like the Rays were treating the numbers, again, like uh, Biff's sports almanac – like it was already predetermined. If he gives up a hit in this inning, you take him out of the game and did not factor in how the game was playing out at all. All right, that's going to do it for us for today. We're already out of time. I'm, I apologize to the other calls who wanted to get in, but we will be back tomorrow starting at 5. Please vote on the poll question, the Regal Tumble, and we'll see you tomorrow at 5 right here, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.